Good afternoon, everybody. You know, I am so excited, so excited to be standing here before you today as we present Willie Taggart as our new head football coach here at Florida State University. You know, it's been a whirlwind. Willie Taggart has been from Brighton, Florida, by the way, uh, at Western Kentucky. Did a nice job. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to the IBN College Football Podcast Week 2. I'm your host, fresh from Dominican Republic. I had to swim all the way back. <laughs> IBS Jesus, along with my co-host, the man with the plan, Marcus Anthony. What's up, what's up? Marcus, I'm not doing good, man. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. So, so I'm going to do my best not to make today's show about me. However, in the history of my tenure in IBS, I can think of maybe only one time where I was backed into a corner so bad that I had no choice but to come out swinging and defend myself. Like, this was my (laughs) hill, and I had to die on it. I have tried to get away from Willie Taggart. I've tried to. I can't quit Florida State football. That is my team. But this coach, it's – he ruined my vacation, man. He ruined my vacation. <laughs> I'm all the way in a third world country where they don't get any American channels, any American channels in English except ESPN. And what do I see while I'm sitting there eating a nice steak? Actually, it was a great steak, but I'm, I'm eating a steak. And I happen to look over and my boy goes, hey, ain't you a Florida State fan? I was like, yeah, why? <laughs> He's like, dog, y'all lost. What? And then my phone, because, of course, Wi-Fi worked perfectly that night. It was just bing, 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 bing. So here I am. Here I am. If if we had a podium, this is my this is my podium. So I will get us started with the segment that everybody is waiting for. <laughs> Where do I start? Listen, I watched a condensed version of this game in in 30 minutes. It was a 30-minute condensed version. I cannot for the life of me understand how in the hell Florida State lost to Boise State. They dominated them in every part of the game going all the way up until even in the second half. Even in the second half, they were still technically – dominating the game, but I don't I don't know where it got away from them. I don't understand it. I I mean, I want to blame Tagger, I really do, but I just think it's just this 
was the perfect storm of what the program has now become. Like we're just the, we just we just suck, man. We just suck. <laughs> but no. Boise State flew across the country yeah. in another time zone in, in warmer weather. Had the uh, location of the game switch in favor of Florida State, they'd go to Tallahassee, and they still came back and won with the true freshman quarterback. Freshman. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that surprising to me. How? Of all the things. We suck. We suck. <laughs> now, I oh, would say this, like, right? Like, uh-huh. Going up 21-6 in the first quarter, I really thought that Florida State would just will their way to a win and out-athlete Boise State and, you know, just be a better team. But as the game went on, I, I just saw better adjustments from Boise State. And Florida State just looked like they couldn't take a punch in the mouth. It, it was Boise State was just hitting with blow after blow and was just chipping away and chipping away. And we just saw, you know, the – the lack of depth, the inexperience of the coaching staff and the players to let a guy, a, a true freshman come in and throw for over 400 yards in his first start on the road. And Tallahassee, <laughs> like, you know, it, I'm questioning Willie Taggart. I mean, but are we really surprised that you're back at the kiddie table? I mean, are, I mean, <laughs> yes, I am surprised. Here, surprised. You own a chair. I you am surprised. You. Then you, you I'm be because we, I said this weeks ago, like, Taggart, I don't know, man. It's just, I, I get it. Like, I, I put that game on my watch list last week, and I said, I really like Boise. And, you know, and really that was because of just, it's Willie Taggart, man. I, I just, I want to see something that, like Manny Diaz, his first year, his first game, I could say, okay, I see enough of the program. Where I'm like, okay, there's optimism going forward. I, I don't see any for you guys, man. Bro, they came to Tallahassee and won. You damn right. I'm yeah. surprised. I am. I mean, everything played into the favor of, of Florida State. We had a site switch that favored us. We had the elements that favored us. We had travel that favored us. We I don't I don't understand what more what more do we need? We even had we even had them with the with the freshman quarterback. With the freshman quarterback. I I'm just don't. I your... don't understand, bro. I don't understand. I don't understand. And, and I'm also that... looking at your health and nutrition and your support staff because to be oh a team that's based in Florida, the Panhandle of Florida, you're talking about. You should be accustomed to the humidity and the high temperatures of early September, and especially of a noon kickoff. That's unacceptable to be Florida State. You have Boise, who you know <clears throat> comes from the West Coast, completely different climate. And to be able to not just play, but outperform you in that, and to say dehydration was a factor for a loss—that's unacceptable, man. I mean, that's that's as bad as it gets. This just keeps piling on and on and on. Yeah, and and I don't I don't buy that excuse uh, about the dehydration because we're we're an up tempo team, yo. Baby Browse runs up tempo offense. I'm sure yeah. they practice up tempo. I play uh, in an up-tempo system when I was in um, high school, and I know when we practiced, it was offense and defense. Everybody was moving fast. It's just because you have to get in shape. You have to understand your offense is moving at such a pace, the defense doesn't get a lot of time to rest. So you practice up-tempo. Everybody's basically doing that to get in game shape. So I'm not buying that BS. That that they were they wasn't they wasn't hydrated or or guys got tired and I and I sometimes I don't really buy the BS of of teams 
sometimes being too quick on offense and not giving the defense enough time to rest. But you practice for those situations. Like when a defense supports an up-tempo offense, they anticipate spending a lot of time on the field because yeah. a lot of times teams try to control the clock to keep the offense um, off the field and out of rhythm. And then it's just you live and die by that tempo. You, sometimes you go three and out. Sometimes you get it moving. But either way, everything is fast, 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 quick, quick, quick. People flying to the ball, guys knowing where they're supposed to be, substitutions, et cetera, et cetera. Look, if that's your excuse at this point, Tagger, then just quit, man. Just quit. That's what I'm saying. Just quit. You know, I, I've seen enough. Me, it, it just shows a lack of leadership. I think as the CEO of a program, it's more it's, – it's the operations of the staff in the program day-to-day that really matters. If you watch Nick Saban, you watch Dabo Sweeney, they leave no stone unturned. Offense, defense, special teams, travel, recruiting, new, new, you know, strength and condition, nutrition and hydration. As a CEO, you, that's, that's what good head coaches do. You have to manage that. and you got to understand your team. And I, like, that just screams a lack of preparation to me. And it's kind of disappointing because people were expecting this, you know, this Florida State team to start to turn the corner. And, I mean, Blackman, he looks pedestrian. I think, you know, um, excuse me, Cam Akers, he has a few good moments. But all in all, there is some talent there. I mean, I was I was disappointed in the defense. They just kept giving up chunk plays after chunk plays. And I, I really thought when Boise was driving, and, you know, I think they were on, like, the Florida State 10, and, you know, they had that, that fumble when, it, you know, the back, uh, it was a wild hit. He fumbled down, and Boise ended up getting the ball back. And I just looked at that play in the game. It's like, man. That was the one that kind of just Florida State. It was just they were just unlucky. Like the, the, the entire second half, and I was like, "Man, Tagger, this." I think it all falls on him. It's, it's a bad look for Florida State for sure. Bad teams need breaks to win football games, and and we didn't get it. <laughs> That's basically yeah. how it played out, man. So it is what it is. I'm not wasting too much more time on this, man. I hate my team. I hate my coach. Get him out of here. <laughs> All right, let's let's hear who you got for the kitty table. Man, you know, I think we only gonna have one entry into the kitty table this weekend. That's the seminar. Because I'm just disappointed. I'm that disappointed in you guys. It's that's it. I want you to have this moment all to yourself because I like I said, it's it's a lack of leadership from a coach that we expected more from. I really had I knew Willie Taggart maybe wasn't the best long term option, but I was at least hoping to see this team be better than five and seven. And I didn't, I didn't get that feeling coming out there. I mean, Boise, Brian Harbson just made better adjustments than Willie Taggart. They looked better prepared. And I think they probably wanted the game more to, you know, just to come in and to be a historical program like Florida State and to host a school like Boise and to get beat that way. Man, it's, it's a bad look. So pull up, pull, up a ta- pull up a chair to the table, man, and enjoy this all to yourself, man. You're going to be here a long time. <laughs> fine, fine. I will accept that. I will accept that. Um, but – Guys, if you're listening, don't think I'm not going to double back because I got smoke for Oregon, too. All right, um, so best bets from the past weekend. Um, What did you play that you liked or what did you think was going to play out and and so forth and so on? So, for example, for me, um, I love Tulane, um, and and that was just a blowout uh, over FIU. And um, I really liked – Who's the other one? 
Tulane and um, there was another school. It's it's, it's escaping me because I'm, I'm just angry at Florida State. Um, but the one that didn't play out was obviously Oregon, and and I rewatched that game as well. And and they're lucky Florida State is is as bad as they are because they were on my radar. <laughs> They, man, a game that played out for me that I, I, I didn't want to bet it at first, but that that Auburn three and a half, I was really mm-hmm. mad in my seat going down because, I mean, it just looked like Auburn just didn't want to win the game going down to the end. You know, they were just kept making mistakes. And that last drive, I was like, man, listen, God, please, if you can just give me this one, man. I hate to put you to the gambling guys this early, but I mm-hmm. never bet Auburn. But they finally came through, and I really like Bo Nix, man. I think he's going to be a player going forward. And another game that came through for me was a good was the Wake Forest and Utah State. I knew Jordan Love was going to be a big time quarterback. They they ended up losing by three. I think the spread was seven and a half. I think I, I can't remember off yeah. the top of my head what that was, but it, it was a good play because I knew Utah State would be a very competitive Mountain West team, um, just with Jordan Love back and the system and everything they had in place. But a team that let me down was Fresno State at USC. Um, USC, even though they lost J T. Daniels, I, I think that. They look to be a little better. You know, they look like they have some pulse, and they really controlled the game against Fresno State. Against, I think the cover was 13 and a half. And I was a little disappointed to see Jeff Tepper and those guys come out. You know, I, I thought it would be a little more competitive game, but those that one let me down. But overall, it was a, it was a good opening weekend. Yeah, I, I really liked the, um, the over in that game, and that played out pretty well for me. Um, yeah. And we had kind of talked about that too. He had a coach that was coming in and was pretty familiar with with his team and uh, the the program in and of itself. Um, I will say um, I didn't have any shocks um, really this this week. I mean, nothing like nobody underperformed in in the sense of where I thought they would yeah. be. I think a lot of teams did start out slow. Um, there's a lot of overreactions going on. I think one of the biggest overreactions right now is uh, Jalen Hurts gonna um, gonna be the new he- the third Heisman <laughs> winner coming out of Oklahoma. So g- give me a little bit of insight from your perspective on because that was one of the bigger storylines of Week One is um, how would he transition, how would he look uh, in the um, in the Oklahoma offense. What, what was your take on Week One for him? You know, I, first and foremost, Lincoln Riley is the best play caller in college football, point blank, period. It's it's not up for debate. And I knew what Jalen Hurts' skill set was coming into Oklahoma, and it, it, he wasn't as dynamic of a thrower as, you know, Kyler mm-hmm. and Baker, but we obviously know he's a better athlete. And I wanted to see which ways that Lincoln Riley would find ways, you know, to use his athleticism. And, man, I was pretty impressed. I mean, they did a lot of things, and, you know, they run a lot of counters. Um, they did a lot of things in the speed option, the read option, and did some things that, you know, allowed him to get on the edge and really challenge defenses. And what Lincoln does in the passing game, he gets guys open, right? And he, he's giving him a system to say, hey, Jalen, listen, I'm going to build this around your attributes. You're not Baker, you're not Tyler, but you're Jalen, and I'm going to make that work. And Lincoln right now, man, is he's clicking. And I, I mean, I know, you know, I can't expect a 500-yard, you know, that type of performance every week, but I don't see Oklahoma losing a beat. Now, I was a little more impressed with their defense and with Ryan and with uh, excuse me, Alex Grinch can do, and he put a lot of pressure on Dana Holgerson and De'Ara King in Houston. I, I thought they would score a little more points and it would be more of a shootout, but I mean, I, I don't know if it's really an overreaction. Like at this point, 
I honestly would be, you know, surprised if a quarterback didn't go to that system and put up these type of numbers. I think this is what you're going to see from Jalen Hurts. I, I, I expect another Heisman caliber year from an Oklahoma quarterback. So I think he's in a good system for a Heisman type yeah. year. Um, like you said, uh, you got one of the best play callers, if not the best play caller, caller in college football. Um, and a guy who, um, in my mind, <clears throat> excuse me, if you look at Baker, Kyler, and Jalen, like all three are very capable athletes, but all three are yeah. distinctively different. And yet he's able to incorporate them in his offense and, and allow them to, to utilize their natural gifts and enhance some of their uh, shortcomings. Like Jalen looked like a pretty good thrower. Uh, and and yeah. granted, he's playing Houston. They're not terrible. They're not the best either, but he looked comfortable, a lot more comfortable throwing the ball than he did when he was in uh, Alabama. In Alabama, sometimes when he would throw the ball, it was almost like he was programmed to, to you know, feel like he was committing a sin or something. Like, maybe I should not <laughs> should I throw that. But there was more confidence in the throws, um, and I like that. I like what I, uh, what I saw out of that. Um, if there was a third Heisman yeah, winner – I, I just a lot of it I think is because he plays in the Big Twelve. <laughs> I hate to say it like that, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, how can you play in the Big Twelve and quarterback unless you play in Kansas State? How do you play in the Big Twelve and don't put up numbers? I don't understand. And the way I always look at it too is that certain guys, like you said, certain places are built for certain position groups to succeed. At Alabama, mm-hmm. you don't really need a quarterback who is going to drive that team because. We've seen what Nick Saban can recruit around them and what he does on the defensive side. Now, mm-hmm. that's not saying Nick Saban's not a good quarterback coach or, you know, guys like Mike Loxley and other guys that he's had in place don't, recruit, you know, coach the position well. But it's something about Lincoln. He enhances that position. Like, he's willing to say, I will I will rebuild the system to what you can do and not try to plug and, plug and play guys. And I think that goes a long way because he's got a lot of athletes out there, man. C.D. Lamb big-time recruiting Jordan Hazelwood, Sermon Lookwood running the ball. I mean, they got a lot of options, and I, I mean, they're, they're going to be tough, man. Like, it's just, I mean, you're going to have to, what, I mean, they've had, what, seven games last year over 50 points. That's insane. Yeah. And one of those games is like 59, 66, 53. Like, I, I just, and even in the Big 12, I'm like, well, even, you know, I just don't see teams being able to score as much as them, man. Like, I, I love watching Oklahoma, man. It's, it's a thing of beauty. Yeah, and, and, the thing about them too, as a, as a team, no matter who's at quarterback, uh, they finish drives, and that's such a big yep. deal. Um, even in, and you think about how bad their defense was last year. For them to even get as far as they did was probably one of the worst statistical defenses in the nation. Is a testimony yeah. to the offense. Like people love to say, defense wins championships, defense wins games, and this and that. The offense carried that team last year. Maybe they, I mean, if you're that good of a play caller. Um, to overcome um, situations like that, I really think it, that's what makes them special um, for the college game. And honestly, I know I joke about it all the time, but I don't really want to see him leave. You know, I don't want to see yeah. him go to the NFL. I like to see him stay uh, at Oklahoma or stay within college football. Um, what about your boy from Georgia? <laughs> I know, I know, you was excited to see it. And, and they start. Yeah. They started out super hot. And again, I I was in Dominican Republic, so I couldn't see everything. Um, but I saw some highlights. And um, uh, for a debut, I mean, I don't think you could ask much more. What's your, what was your take on uh, 
Justin Fields' debut? You know, honestly, I it exceeded my expectations. I mean, to look at, you know, I know how highly recruited he was, and when people talk about him, you know, they talk about him in the same breath with guys like Trevor Lawrence. But I think at the same time, you know, people don't understand that he's incredibly inexperienced, you know, relative to Trevor Lawrence. Even in high school, you know, he didn't have as many starts. And now to come into a system, and it's difficult to learn as Ryan Day, and to be able to put five touchdowns up, you know, in your first performance says a lot. I think that he's got so much talent around him, right, that when he gets a full grasp of the system, I think this offense is really going to just take another step forward. I mean, I think he's better than Dwayne. I think he's better than JT. He's better than Cardell. He's better than Terrell Pryor. He's better than Braxton Miller. He's probably a combination of all five of those guys in the one. So I I really like what I saw out of him, and I I like what what Ryan Day did with him. He he put him in the edge a little bit. He gave him some empty sets. He he got him going in the run game. And one thing that kind of looked forward to me is, we, you know, we jumped out to the early lead, the 28 nothing in the first quarter, and just looked like, you know, we're going to blow him out, you know, 70 or whatever. But I was a little concerned because I, I think one of the reasons they we, we just peeled back and became so vanilla is because they were probably concerned about, you know, having – getting Justin Hurd or, or, you know, having some type of major injury. But for a first game, man, I'm impressed. And I really – Cincinnati is going to be a tough test for us, man. So I really want to see – what um, Ryan Day is going to do, because, you know, Luke Fickle's a former Buckeye. He's going to have those guys fired up, man, for coming there and play. So I, I'm impressed, and I think the offense – people be patient. That's what I'm saying with Justin. So there's going to be a lot of growing pain. But I think later on in the year, we're going to see one of the better offenses in college football. All right. So um, I I agree with that. Um, I was looking at some of the notifications we were getting from people. Um, <laughs> most people are like, what about next week? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're we're gonna get to next week. We, it's not fair for us not to cover, you know, some of the games that we had talked about. And like I said, there were interesting storylines with uh, the debut of, of Jalen Hurd and um, and uh, my man Justin Fields. I think everybody wanted to see that. Um, anybody disappoint you or was looking funny in the light uh, last week? Man, you know, not for me. I, I usually give teams a pass in the first week, right? Because one of the things is, you know, week one is college football isn't afforded, you know, the preseason. So it's it's one of those things I'm like, listen, I expected bad play <laughs> last week from a lot of different teams. I know people are like, oh, Alabama didn't play well in the first half against Duke and, you know, Clemson the previous week. But I, I, th- I think it's this week is really week one for me because I'm like, okay, you know, teams have had a lot to put on film. You're going to see preparation, um, you know, from week to week. So, it's, I didn't want to put anybody looking funny in the light yet or back at the kiddie table. I wanted Florida State to have that moment. So, but after this week, I, it's a few games on my uh, that I really want to see that could, that a lot of teams, will be, it's going to be big tests for them. Yeah, I um, I wouldn't say Notre Dame, but I really put a lot of stock into them. Um, and then even with um, with the Oregon game, I mean, like I said before, it had to be a reason why a team returning so many starters and with the senior quarterback, the full offensive line was only getting nine, nine and a half games. So uh, I would say everybody pretty much did what they had to do. And uh, I'm like you, you know, week one, you can't read too much into it, um, especially when you have teams like uh, like when Florida and Miami played, where it's going to be a little sloppy. It's the first game, and they also have some – they're familiar with one another. It's somewhat of an in-state rivalry. You're going to get 
guys trying too hard um, and and just needing reps to to get going. So um, we're hitting into week two, though, and I can tell you right now, Texas fans, y'all not getting none of them excuses for me. None of them excuses, buddy. Clemson fans, none of them excuses. None of them. Clemson won because you're technically the best team in the nation still until somebody beats you or or you don't get uh, the national championship this year. Texas fans, because y'all just talk so much trash since you beat Georgia that I'm not giving you that excuse. If you want to be a top-tier program, you tell me you're back, I need to see it. I want a Texas win. I don't even care about them covering the spread, even though I am backing them to cover the spread. History says that is a terrible choice, but I'm going to boy <laughs> Herman because of what he tends to do in big games and the fact that I'm just not convinced Mumble Mouth is, is – I just don't like him as a coach. So um, I think Texas comes out playing pretty fired up. I remember a couple years back a Texas underdog who was pretty fired up, played a good Oklahoma team and, and won as well because Oklahoma talked cash money and got them all riled up. LSU has been talking cash money. I've never seen a team talk so much trash. Like, they've talked so much <laughs> trash, people don't even realize that A&M is over there talking trash to Clemson, because LSU, every single chance they get, even if you don't even ask, they want to let you know Texas is not back, and they're going to prove it on Saturday. So I got I to gotta see it, man. I got to see it. Please believe if I lose money on these dudes, I'm definitely firing them up. I mean, I'm I'm expecting LSU to win by two scores or more. I mean, I, listen, I, I think Texas is going to be a really good football team. I like Sam Mellinger. I, I like what Todd Orlando does on defense, and I, I have a lot of respect for Tom Herman as an offensive play caller. But I, I just look at on paper, and I think LSU is a more talented team. And I think now, I mean, it's, it's hard to take away, you know, from them playing a team like Georgia Southern. But I did see some promise in the LSU offense, the pace that they were playing with, the type of plays they were calling and how comfortable Joe Burrow did look in the system. And I think they're not scared, right? That There's a reason that they're talking so much to, about Texas and they're saying, hey, we look at Ellis and we just see an average guy. And we see average guys week in and week out in the SEC. He doesn't scare us. Now, some people can look at that as trash talk, but some people could just say, hey, man, like, on film, it doesn't lie. He's just a regular guy. But I think he's a little better than that. And I think LSU, man, is going to come and fire it up. And I, I really think this is their year. But like you said, both both teams have a lot to prove. I mean, it's a, it's a you know, litmus test for, for that game and also for Clemson and Texas A&M. I like Kellen Mond. And I want to see if Jimbo, you know, can go in. And, and I, I, I like Clemson to win. But I just want to see if Texas A&M can keep it competitive and really challenge Clemson. And that will be a win for, you know, year two and Jimbo and with Kellen Mond. And, and right now it's really the SEC at the West is, you know, the toughest, the toughest uh, division in the SEC. So it's like, okay, who's going to start to separate themselves early? We've seen Auburn have a statement win. Bama, we know we'll have theirs later in the season. So LSU, you know, here's their moment. Are they going to play well and protect the A&M? So it's, it's going to be an interesting weekend, man. I mean, this is going to be one of those weekends for me. I know Buckeyes play at noon, the Clemson A&M games at 3, and Texas and LSU is at 7. So I'm pretty sure I'll just sit at home all day and watch college football. Yeah, and my friends always want to do stuff <laughs> on, like, the Saturday <laughs> night. And I'm like, come on, man. And and honestly, I like 
primetime college football a lot more than I like primetime NFL. I'd be more inclined yeah. to go out on on a on a Sunday night at seven than a Saturday night at seven. I, I don't think they understand, but um, I look forward to to a full day of college football. Um, I look forward to those two games, and I will be backing Texas. Oh my God! <laughs> and, uh, I will be backing A uh, and M on the spread as well, just because so, I just need to see. I just need to see the the Clemson dominance and. And you like you like Texas to cover the six and a half. Texas, yeah, I do, I do. I do. Okay. Again, and I'm just and I'm just doing this based off of of my hunch and and Herman's track record in in big games and and just hoping for a motivational boost <laughs> uh, because they have been <laughs> like I said they have been talking so much trash now. Um, when it comes to the sharps and the public betting, I'm gonna pull that up right now. It's on uh, Oddshark, Oddshark.com. If you guys don't use Oddshark, I tend to use Oddshark a lot. Um, and the site used to be really good because they would give you like live updates on when guys are scoring based off yeah. tempo and uh, whether you would hit the over or the under. Let's see what they got on Oddshark as far as the money payout. So I'm you like pretty Texas sure sharks and win, or just now. Cover? I like them. I like them to cover. I I don't really like them to win. <laughs> okay. I I think I think I said I was gonna put uh, LSU on upset alert, but I didn't make it official. Um. So I did like the over in that game as well. Um. When it was at 56, it was at 57 now. So that's a little healthy there. And then interesting. At six and a half right now, you're looking at 51% of the bets on Texas, 49% of the bets on LSU. Um, I know when I had last checked as well as far as um, where the money was going, most of the mm-hmm. heavy money was backing Texas, which is an indication of sharp uh, play. But the line, which I had said before, was kind of the same reverse split thing where heavy money is going into Texas, but the line makes it look like people are heavily betting LSU. And I just I just don't agree with it. Now, the thing about sharps and, 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 and public betting, a lot of times in games like this, we call it pros versus Joes. Everybody's got the same chance of, of, of being yeah. right. So. You know, it, just because the Sharps are betting one way don't mean anything. I'll give you a prime example. Sharps were betting money line Chicago last night in the NFL game. I was like, well, <laughs> I like the Packers at three and a half, and the Sharps like the Packers from uh, three and a half and up. So the line was at three, and they started hitting the money line like they anticipated the Bears winning. I said, well, I don't think the Bears are – I mean, you get three when, you, when you're when you in the NFL. You get three anyway for being a home team. So if you're telling me that the line's still at three, you're also telling me that you think the Packers are three points better than the than the Bears, in my opinion. So yep. that looked like a, a what I would consider a, a pick 'em. And so I'm gonna pick the better quarterback in that situation. And so I picked Aaron Rodgers and I won. Again, it's not like soundproof, uh, but a lot of times in, in situations when you're looking at where the money's going and and, and how sharks bet you're okay to go against the grain every now and then. Now, if it's yeah. 80%, 80% of people put money on LSU, <laughs> yeah, and, you see, uh, yeah, and you see the line not moving, then get worried. But in this case, it seems like a lot of people are split. 
Um, and the guys who, who pay the big bucks tend to want to bat Texas. So, hook them. Ugh. <laughs> Can't believe I said that, but hook them. <laughs> I, I like to see it. If they, if they do pull out the win, again, I wouldn't be totally shocked. I wouldn't call it, like, upset of the year or anything like that. Um, but it would be a great win for the program and would indeed um, start encouraging people to also think that, yes, Texas is back. I'm going All home. right, so I got faith on oh, LeBron, man. You got faith in him? Yeah, I got faith in him, man. I think, I think I mean it's now or never, man. It's now or never. I'm, I'm going with him. So, uh, interesting enough, um, a lot of people uh, are betting the A&M spread, which is getting me worried now. I didn't think it was going to be that much, but. 61% of the, the tickets coming in are on A&M at 17, Ooh, plus 17. Yeah. I, I mean, they've been they've been talking a lot. Of, they've been talking a lot, man, a lot. I think they're confident. Yeah, I think they're confident. Yeah, and, and, and that's great. That's great. But, I mean, you you got to bring it because cause, uh, Dabo's a good coach, man. And yeah. I'm not, so I'm not saying Jimbo's – Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not saying Jimbo's a bad coach, but Dabo – his system, like from from him all the way down to the to the kicking coach, man, like they they got it together. They usually have their stuff together. Um, I can't remember the last time we seen Dabo and, and the team in a big game. Not not like like when they get these Syracuse teams and stuff like that, where where we can kind of tell they're sleeping on them a little. But like a team like A and M comes in, they they gotta earn it, man. And usually a lot of those teams don't do a lot of talking before they come down there. But it's been a lot of talk, so um, we'll see. We'll see if if they beat the brakes off them like they did Bama last year. I mean, it's the same offense minus the left tackle. You still got your receivers. Yeah. You still got your running back. You still got your quarterback. Uh, so you know, giving them bulletin board material is a dangerous game to play. But like like you said, them boys are confident. I'm gonna go ahead and put a little bit behind the confidence and see what I get. Uh, I do think A&M is is a little. Um, Disrespected in this situation because seventeen is a lot. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of points. So, girl, so I, I would definitely back them there. Um, any any other games or lines that you saw that you were kind of interested in? Man, it was a couple. Man, I think that I like the Stanford USC USC um, with with uh, their three point favorite against Stanford. I actually like Stanford to cover mm-hmm. that, and I like Stanford to win with JT Daniels going down. You know, you got a, another freshman quarterback that's stepping in that's going to play, you know, a Stanford football team who didn't play his best game against Northwestern. But just like Stanford, they find ways to win. And I, I, I think that, you know, going on, going on the road to USC isn't a daunting task with, you know, starting a, a freshman quarterback. So I know they're down K.J. Costello, but I just like, you know, David Shaw and Stanford to have a better game plan really than Clay Helton. And I think with covering three points, I, I do like Stanford. That's yeah. one of my favorite lines of the didn't Sam, Stanford had a big injury uh, announcement, didn't they? Yeah, Stanford. They got KJ Costello, their quarterback. Is yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you know another game... line that I thought was interesting. Uh huh. Go ahead. Tennessee is a three and a half point favorite against BYU. Yeah. After dropping that I... game against Georgia State and to wait, watching BYU to be competitive, you know, and to fight, you know, to go blow after blow with Utah in a rivalry game. I... I, I take BYU on that. I take BYU at a three and a half. I think a lot of that is um, is because of um, 
or or the the idea is um, BYU's traveling because I'm with you on that. I thought that was an interesting line as well. Um, I have to look into it more to, to see what I'm getting from um, BYU as far as what they could potentially do on the offensive side. But uh, Tennessee, Tennessee, <laughs> excuse my friend, they they're looking outplayed. like a snack, yeah. man. They are one yeah, of the most vulnerable-looking SEC teams against the spread this year. Um, and I don't know about everybody else, but when I see blood in the water, man, I like to hit those lines as much as possible until, you know, Vegas makes that adjustment. So, um, and a lot of times you get that with these big programs. Arkansas is another one where they're just so bad. Free lunch. But, Free but lunch. people people know the name, and they're in the SEC, and, and they get all these, like, ridiculous spreads sometimes. So I'm like, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought that a, uh interesting line in another game that I'm, I'm looking to eagerly back, my boys – my favorite military school, Army, traveling to <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> hey, look, I'm telling you, man, these games these games are competitive. I don't know why people yeah. – 22 and a half, that's a lot, man, for, for – That's a lot of points. 22 and a half is a lot of points against triple option teams that are disciplined like Army because you're not going to get that many possessions. They're going to slow the game down. They're going to drive the ball. They might not always score, but I'm looking at it like this. The only way Michigan covers this is if they don't allow Army to score. Like, they literally have to shut Army out all the way through, and then they might get 24 to 28 just because of the, the running clock. So I like to take my chance with something like that. Um, I actually like the under as well, uh, even though people yeah, are under 48. Over. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea what, what is going on with that because these triple option teams, man, like it's it's tough to get over with them, um, and but I, I guess Ben is saying that Michigan is just that much better than Army. I think Army didn't look the best against Rice, and I kind of side yeah. with you on both sides. I like the under, and I like Army covering the twenty-two and a half because, like you, it's like man to prepare for the triple option in a short week and for you know in such short time is really tough. And mm-hmm. you know, like you say, with the triple option, they're gonna control the clock. Run, run, run. They go forward on fourth down a lot, you know, fourth and three or last, fourth and four. So I, I like both sides of that. I, I don't understand why over 48, unless you really just feel, you know, Michigan is just going to flat out dominate them early and often based on, mm-hmm. you know, what you saw against Rice last week. Yeah, and, and this is one of those those lines where sometimes you see people or, or Vegas in general overreact within the first couple of weeks because Army yeah. didn't look good against Rice, but – I can tell you for for a fact, Army's probably had this Michigan game circled on their calendar for the last 365 days, whereas Rice, they probably forgot they had to play. (laughs) I mean, and Rice is a – they're not a good football team um, program-wise. They haven't been in a long time. So um, it was definitely a game for them to overlook. Uh, One other thing that we didn't cover – during our uh, preseason talk about the Michigan schedule is that next week would be a good time to consider fading Michigan as well, depending on what the line is, because it's even more difficult to get out of that triple option mindset as a defense um, after you spent a week trying to prepare for it. Um, it's, it's a very unique offense and a very unique practice week. And I know in uh, the past coaches have talked about that, 
uh, teams who had to play like Georgia Tech and then turn around the next week and have to yeah. play like Florida State or, or, or Clemson or something like that, it's very difficult to get out of that mindset of, of defending the triple option. So keep an eye on that. Um, Cincinnati, Ohio State, 15 and a half is what it's looking like right now. Like you said, I think it will be competitive. Um, my issue is that historically Cincinnati hasn't always put up the offense needed uh, yeah. for um, a cover of, of almost three scores. And then you're looking at um, Ohio State with Fields and his athletic ability. I know since he's pretty pretty solid, but, again, they're away from home. It's, it's too risky for me um, to, to consider that. However, I think one of the more interesting games to not only watch but also to bet, Syracuse at Maryland. I was just, I was just about to say that. Maryland's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. At yeah. home, I, listen. I knew they. I know they blow Howard out. Like, okay, let's yeah. let's let's relax a little bit. I know they have some talent. Mike Locks is a good coach and assembled a good staff. Yes, you blew out Howard. But and, and I guess well, well, I could see on the other side people are saying Syracuse didn't look good against a Liberty. Took on the road and played Liberty and didn't look good. But I'm just, yeah. I, I don't like that. I, I'll take Syracuse the one and a half. I definitely take the over of 58, and I like Syracuse to cover at one and a half. They yeah, I, our I, boy, man. I I was thinking that all week, especially when I think the line opened at two and a half, and it was just going down, 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 and I'm like, wow, man, they they really doing Dino like this, huh? That's yeah, crazy. exactly. If it was Texas, <laughs> it'd be different, you know. Like I I I'd ex- I expect that, but Syracuse, not nah, like Syracuse. And I will say this: there is a slight chance that people are playing with the idea that next week is the big game, it's the Clemson game. And that they might be doing the whole look ahead thing because uh, their their season essentially, essentially rests on beating um, Clemson. So Clemson. Yeah, they had like championship but, caliber, yeah. Yeah, but in my mind, when teams tend to have dull games or, or kind of disappointing games the week before, uh, a game that they would typically overlook, they come out and want to make an example. And yeah. uh, I feel like the counter to that is that this is, in fact, a, a better spot to play uh, Syracuse than what it would have been if Syracuse had a beat Liberty by, like, 48 or 50 points. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm looking forward to that game and, and hoping that uh, – yo, it's on ESPN, so good. I was going to say, I, I want yeah, to ask you that. Yeah, it's a new game, too, yeah. Yep. Uh, other interesting line that I, I was literally laughing out loud at, Nebraska – Four-point favorite against yeah, yeah, Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. What? No, I thought the Big Red was back. Man, listen. After last week showing against South Alabama, I, I, I'm giving. I'm going to give Scott Frost the credit. I'm going to say one or two things. It's week one. Adrian Martinez. You know, you're working the kinks out in week one. As a coach, staff, as a player, you're working through things. And you didn't want to give Colorado a lot to see for this game, but. I mean, I was I was somewhat impressed with Montez and, and what Colorado w- was able to do against Colorado State. They look like that, you know, they'll be a pretty competitive team. So, I, if I had to pick a side, I do like I, I take Nebraska on the road four and a half against Colorado. I, I like that. But I mean, like you said, it's uh, it, it's tight, man. I mean, I don't think Nebraska is going to be as good as probably thought, but I think they'll still get a good win against Colorado. Yeah, and my thing about <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say my like, thing about really about this is it's 
really hard for me to to take a team that historically has defensive lapses, <laughs> and you're asking them to cover at least anything over three is basically a touchdown. Um, so yeah, it, it's one of those things where you, you're going to probably you're either going to be in the clear by the third quarter or sweating profusely late into the fourth. <laughs> And and begging them to just run the clock out. <laughs> yeah. um, so I mean, it's, it's, like I said, it's, it's an interesting line, it's an interesting play. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily put anything on it, but um, I would definitely keep an eye on it just to see how Nebraska uh, handles not only the spread but their first road game of the year. And listen, this Mel Tucker is, you know, he was Nick Nick Saban's only Nick Saban staff for so long. Then he was, you know, mm-hmm. Kirby Smart's right hand man, defensive coordinator. And now he's the head coach at Colorado. You know, they look to be better also on the defensive side of the ball, and they just look to be a better football program. You know, they got they got mm-hmm. they have some weapons. They have some weapons. The Visca Schmoll's gonna be a first round pick. I don't know if people, you know, that you know don't watch a lot of just college football, just watch, you know, don't know about Lavisca Schmoll. He'll be a first round um, wide receiver. Steven Montez is a good player at quarterback. So, I mean, Colorado's going to put up a good fight, man. And, and it, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado covered and won because, like you said, that defense from Nebraska, man, just, I mean, it's traditionally just been bad. I mean, yeah, it's easy to, you know, contain South Alabama to what I forgot, it was like 14, whatever, how many other points it was. But, I mean, it's going to be a competitive game. But I, I would hope that Scott Frost, if, if they're going to be, you know, one of the this year they're going to be a top 25 program, really make that leap and become, you know, the Nebraska we're accustomed to, then, yeah, you got to win games like this in Colorado, and you got to win big. I feel like Montez has been there for, like, six years. <laughs> I swear, when he was doing um he was doing a dual system uh with, with uh, their last quarterback. I swear it was for, like, three years. That's crazy Yeah, uh, that he's still there. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, is he a um, red shirt? I'm going to say is he a red shirt uh, senior. So, he, yeah, he's been there like five years. All right. That, well, then that makes sense. Because I was like, man, this dude's still there? That's crazy. I thought it was a typo when they <laughs> said he was uh, the quarterback. I was about to um, actually email out, uh, Althon is what I usually use for my um, insight because mm-hmm. I got a subscription with them. I was about to email him and tell him to correct it. Like, this kid been there for six years. There ain't no way. Um, <laughs> I got my eye on my boys from Tulane in Auburn. Uh, and I'm not going to play it just because I need I need to see it first. But I'm telling you, the green wave, I'm telling you all now, is one of the best bets in the nation when they're at home. So if they're going to go on the road and cover against Auburn, then I know for a fact they are for real this year. And I will be yeah. hammering them, hammering them. Um, but they've got a lot of confidence. They got a pretty seasoned team. Um, and then you, you still have that um, freshman factor with the Auburn uh, quarterback. And the Auburn offensive line that isn't necessarily the best. And honestly, um, for a good part of the game, Oregon, whose defense is, you know, we traditionally consider soft, um, handled them handled them, handled them yeah. uh, in, in every aspect, especially across the line of scrimmage. And the box work of the Tulane defense is generally their strong suit. Like, they're they're very uh, Stanford-like, where you know you're going to get not necessarily the fastest people within the box, but they're all disciplined. They don't over-pursue. Um, they don't necessarily have to bring pressure because they all win their individual matchups on a regular basis, and it, and it makes it so much easier for everybody else on the defense uh, to, to – 
play the pass, play the run. Guys not overcompensating because it's just a cohesive unit. And that's been pretty much Tulane's M.O. for a while now um, on the defensive side of the ball. So I've traditionally taken them in home games, especially when they're on underdogs. Um, and it's been very – it's done me a lot of good. And like I said, last week was like one of my favorite plays when they had uh, FIU. And, and they just blew them out the water. Obviously, Auburn is way better than FIU. <laughs> but um, I, I want to see – because 17 is, is asking a lot uh, out of your um, yeah. your uh, freshman quarterback who, like you said, you like him. And, and I'm not going to lie, he, he did enough to win, but it wasn't the prettiest of games. Um, yeah. and, and we could very well be talking this week how he, he lost the game in some aspects if – um, Oregon was able to to finish a drive or two, um, but everything's week to week. The kid could come out next week and, and be firing, but he's got he's got a pretty tough task in the, in the defense and program that would definitely look to want to knock off somebody like Auburn, and and they're sitting at number ten in the nation. It's going to be a big game for them. Yeah, Auburn. Um, I mean. I mean, I like what I saw from Bo Nix, man, last week. I mm-hmm. think, you know, as a freshman, to be able to, you know, just find a way to win. Sometimes it doesn't yeah. have to be pretty. You know, you just got to find a way to win. But I have been watching Tulane, man. They're a program to have. They've gotten a lot better in the last two years. So, you know, that I'll definitely keep my eye on that line, too. Yeah, and, and when we're talking about gambling um, throughout the college football season anyway, a lot of times you got to build your pot. You got to snowball it. Um, and then you yep. also want to collect information because come bowl season, these are the teams that, like a Tulane, if they get, uh, let's say they go in, they have a competitive game against Auburn. Tulane turns around and draws Washington, who had a disappointing year or something like that, and you're going to get like 18 points in a bowl game on it. Like, this is the type of team that you want to back in a situation like that, because yeah. they're going to play it tough, because it means a lot to their program. Um, and speaking of Washington, my last favorite play, 13 and a half, I would take that. They're at home. They got Cal. I'm not a big supporter or believer in Cal um, as a football program right now. So I would back Washington uh, to cover that, which is relatively large. Um, but Eason and, and that team, I think, didn't really miss a beat uh, as far as their execution last week. And that's what I was mostly looking for. How are they going to execute, you know? And, and it really yeah. looked like the same old Washington Husky team that um, I've I've grown to know under uh, Peterson. So I'm willing to take that uh, with them at home and a two-touchdown uh, win. I think, you know, Cal is – they went 7-6 last year. Justin Wilcox. I like what he's doing recruiting-wise, and I like the foundation and the base that he's building there at Cal. But I still think they're probably a year away. And they look okay against UC Davis last week. But like you said, going on the road to Washington, a team that – you know, looks like they'll be one of the best in the Pac-12. I think Washington handles them easily. Yeah, yeah, and and those nightcaps is is the games that you're looking for, honestly. Like, yeah, if anybody was listening, we literally took you from twelve to ten thirty. <laughs> yeah, so you listen, got that's plenty, my Saturdays, yeah, you, man. Yeah, you got plenty of options. I I start my Saturdays um, gambling wise at seven in the morning with soccer and and all the way through until uh, <laughs> football at night, but. Um, I, I mean, that's the, the beauty of gambling and college football and yep. just college football in general. You literally have entertainment for 10 to 12 hours the entire yep. day. Um, so 
let's see, did we miss anything? I think we pretty much covered everything. Um, yeah. Key games up. All right. So, give me your prediction for um, the A&M game and the Texas game. A&M game, man, I'm going to go Clemson 35, Texas A&M 17. I think it will be a close game in the first half, and I think in the second half that you'll see Trevor Lawrence, Ross, and ETN just start to make big plays and really start to get, you know, the offense going and, and just showing that they're the number one team in the country. Um, I think Kalamon, you know, they'll put up a good fight in Jimbo, but I just think A&M just doesn't have enough juice yet. You know, I just think Clemson is clicking on all levels. And Texas and LSU, I, I like LSU big. I like LSU men. If I had to guess, I would say 28 to 17. I guess I shouldn't say big, but 11-point win. LSU will cover. And, you know, I, I think it will be a competitive game also, but I think LSU is just going to do enough in the fourth quarter to just pull away. So I, I feel like LSU – is going to probably start off pretty good. Um, but I really feel like this is going to be one of those classic Texas, what the hell just happened, comeback wins. <laughs> um, and that's what I'm hopefully hoping for. But I, I really would like to see uh, 31-28. I think that would be a great score because that's my over and my cover. Um, but I, I'm i going to go ahead and just back Texas all the way through. Um one, because I have a vendetta against Mumble Mouth, and two, I just really feel like it's going to be one of those wild games, and I will unfortunately have to listen to how good Texas is until Oklahoma beats them. <laughs> um, as far as um, as far as A&M and Clemson goes, if I'm A&M, I do not let NTN get off. I really think he's going to be the key. Yeah. He's going to be the stabilizer. He's going to be the one that that um and, and he's incredible uh in, in regards to his acceleration. He had a he had a play uh last week where I swear he was like standing still and and he had this burst and it didn't even look like he was trying, but his burst was just so quick <laughs> and, and effortless and he just stretch he I think it went like 90 something yards when it should have probably only went like 10 or 15 uh but just seeing that and and thinking of games where I've seen Sunshine struggle a little and and um and that's going off of last year and the fact that he doesn't have his uh left tackle um I think the left tackle yeah. is, is a young guy I really think that's going to be an issue there if if A&M can just find a way to exploit it or make that kid work or make that offensive line work. They might have to get creative uh, with some of their stunts and, and, and looks. But um, if they don't establish um, line of scrimmage dominance, it's going to be a long game. And and like you said, you know, in a, in a situation where it starts out pretty tight, but then towards, you know, the end of the second half, we're going to see uh, Clemson really pour it on them and pull away. Um, I would hope that they can cover the 17, uh, but – if they don't, I really think that would be the the ultimate downfall of A and M is that they just failed to control the line of scrimmage, and uh, NTN just got off. So, um, yeah. with that being said, I will I will back you with with the Clemson win, but I'm going to keep it under the uh, spread just for good luck. <laughs> so I'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking like thirty five to to twenty one something of that nature. Okay. Um, just, just, yeah, just two yeah, Um, but like you said, they they don't have enough horses, honestly. If we're being real, man, like this Clemson offense is special. It really is. Um, yeah. It, and and I think 
I think Texas A&M is doing the right thing um, by at least hyping themselves up and uh, and having that confidence because these kids, man, they could really make a historic year. Uh, if you look at Lawrence's caliber, Entian's caliber, and the two receivers and their ability overall and the fact that this is their second year together, uh, it's rare that we see that type of talent come back for, for more than one year. Um, it, it could be really special for them. Yeah, it could be. It could, it so, could be, yeah. So, in closing, fuck FSU. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad, man. I did good, though. I did good. I didn't freak out. I got through the whole show without without really spazzing. I know people wanted me to spazz. I spazzed at the resort, um, and I spazzed when I was out on the, on the boat later on, like in the middle of the ocean, just let out a yell, a fuck Taggart, and, you know, nobody on the boat was speaking English anyway. They were all speaking Spanish. They just looking at me like, yo, that, that dude that looked like David Ortiz is crazy. Um, <laughs> so uh, I got it all out before I came home. Um, I'm, thank you for being patient with me, bro, because uh, we were supposed to do the show on Wednesday, yeah, but no problem. You know, my flight got delayed. So um, I guess in closing, I would like to say that um, what I learned from this past week of football is that you should not travel during hurricane season. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything you want to close out with, man? Man, to close out with, man, I know we want to, you know, end it off with something, man. I just want to, what do you think, man? I'm, the NCAA is killing me right now. I just looked at all these guys that were in the transfer portal and how the waiver request is processed, man. I just want to see, I, I'm in favor of giving, you know, all the sports have where you can get one free transfer, right? Where if you come in and it doesn't mm-hmm. work, you can transfer, you don't have to sit out of here. I really wish college football and college basketball, man, would adopt that model or at least develop a set SOP across the transfer portal to who gets waivers and who doesn't. And, and if people, you know, even for me to see Justin Fields transfer to Ohio State, but to see guys like Luke Ford and guys like Dame Hudson who are transferring closer to family members get their waivers denied. Even as a Buckeye fan, I'm like, come on, the NCAA, that's just ludicrous. Let's find a way to standardize this and give the kids a little more freedom of movement. I mean, I agree, man. Like, I think it's it's no secret it's kids are getting the bag anyway. I mean, yeah. I mean, you might as well accommodate them to some degree, especially when we're talking about family issues, man. I just, I really think that that's uh, kind of a low point for the NCAA, and 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 considering that they don't, they basically get free labor. Uh, saying that this is lower than free labor is is pretty tough and hard for me to say, but um, it was disappointing to see that as well. Um, also, like, you know, Phil's thing where he basically left because somebody, you know, he had an incident with somebody calling him a racial slur or using a racial slur around him or something like that. If you can honor that, you should honor uh, kids who want to get close to their family for, for health reasons and other reasons um, as well. So I'm with you, man. I like to see the portal uh, get reworked and revamped. And I think that um, as with all things college sports, when the money starts, uh, talking, then people will start. Listening. <laughs> so, <laughs> no doubt about that. Yeah. Um. So we will be back week three, and we will be on time. We'll be week three on Wednesday. I'm going to post this again tomorrow morning. Uh, hopefully, guys will check it out uh, before the pregame show. Um, yep. And then also remember, we gave you plays from 12 all the way to 10:30. Even if you don't agree, it's still some interesting lines out there that are worth checking out. So. Give it a look. Give us some feedback. Um, This is IBS Jesus signing off. Marcus.
Peace. All right, man. Later.